0: Today's reading is from Micah 5-2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First through fifth grade, you're dismissed. The rest of you may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Hey, Wow. We're alive and awake this morning. Uh, my name is uh, My name is Jerry Giles. I'm a retired pastor here at Grace, and and uh, it's it's a real joy and privilege that I have to to be up here to open up God's Word uh, together. You know, it was 50 years ago, 1973 that my wife and I walked onto this campus for the very first time. We came... (laughs) We we came as a young married couple, and we were looking for a, a church where it would teach God's Word and where we could use our giftedness to bless this church and where it would minister to us. And we've raised our children in this church, and they're still here. And, we've raised, and our grandchildren are a part of this church, and they've all gone through the children's ministry, middle school, high school, and even college. And, you know, I just want to say thank you, Grace Long Beach. You've had such a tremendous spiritual ministry in my wife and Pat and my heart and life and in our family, and it's just a privilege to be a part of this church. Let's pray together. Father, we, we come into your very presence, and you're so good. I just, this song we sang is so meaningful to me. All my life, all my life, you've been faithful. And I thank you for that, Father. And, and Lord, I, I thank you that this church has always stood for your word, and I just pray that as we open up your word today, that God, the Holy Spirit, might speak to each of our hearts, only you can, and do a work that you choose to do in our hearts today. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love the Bible, and I know that this church does too. That's why we're here. We've come, and this church has been known as a church that teaches God's Word. And so my uh, goal today is that uh, you will fall more deeply in love with God's word and more deeply in love with Jesus. You know, Jeremiah 15, 16, Jeremiah says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. And you know, we realize when you study this word how how alive it is. It's good for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And so we come to this book. And so one of the things I want us to see today is how much the New Testament flows out of the Old Testament. For example, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then the apostle John wants to show us that Jesus was there at the beginning. So he starts out in John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and all things were created by him. So he's trying to show us that Jesus was there at creation. And the same did the the Apostle Matthew. And, you know, we know that Moses, you know, went into Egypt and he was called out of Egypt, went through the waters of the Red Sea, out into the wilderness for 40 years, and went up on the Mount and got the Ten Commandments. And Matthew then tells us about how Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Egypt to flee from Herod. And now he was called out of Egypt and when he started his ministry he too went through the waters of baptism and he too went out into the wilderness not for 40 years but for 40 days and 40 nights and then he went and sat on the mountain and gave us the sermon on the Mount. and he took the law that Moses gave us and expands it and says you have heard that it was said you should not commit adultery i say unto you If you lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. You've heard that it was said you shall not kill. But I say unto you, if you're angry in your heart, you've already killed. And what Jesus was trying to show us is that God's word, you know, we could know it, but it really has to penetrate our heart, right? It has to penetrate our heart. And so... You know, I, you're probably wondering, why in the world did we sing O Little Town of Bethlehem? That's a Christmas song, right? We should have sung that last Sunday. But again, I want to show you how, again, the Old Testament flows into the New Testament in such a clear way. So we're going to look at this little town of Bethlehem that we know as the birthplace of Jesus But actually, it starts out in the Old Testament. And it's kind of like our hometown, as it were. Someone wrote, It isn't far from Bethlehem's town. It's anywhere that Christ comes down and finds in people's upturned face a welcomed and abiding place. The road into Bethlehem runs right through the homes of folks. Like me and you. So, this morning I want us to think together about the little town of Bethlehem. So, if you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to Genesis 35. We're going to have the words projected up here on the screen. And, you know, Bethlehem was not, it was just a little town, but it was kind of a, a stopping off place for caravans who were going to Jerusalem. But this passage in Genesis 35 talks about Jacob. Now, let me give you a little background. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. You have Abraham, Isaac. Isaac had twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And then Jacob is the grandson there. And and Jacob was kind of a deceiver. And so he stole his brother's birthright and his father's blessing. And then... Esau, his brother, threatened to kill him. So he fled to his uncle Laban's house in Pada Aram. And, And so now we find in Genesis 35, Jacob is returning back to reconcile with his brother Esau. So we read in Genesis 35 and verse 10, it says, And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob. But Israel shall be your name. By the way, Israel means prince with God. So God says, Israel shall be your name. And God said, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. And so here's this newly prince of God told that kings will come from his descendants and right away, we think, wow, that, that's far-reaching, isn't it? <laughs> and so we go on to read in, in Genesis 35, 16. It says, then they, then they journeyed from Bethel. And, when they, still, and, when, and then when they were still some distance from Ephrathah, Rachel went into labor, and she had hard labor. And when her labor was at its hardest, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for you have another son. And as her soul was departing, for she was dying, she called his name Benoni. But his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died, and she was buried on the way to Ephrathah. That is Bethlehem. And Jacob set up a pillar over her tomb. It is a pillar of Rachel's tomb which is there to this very day. So the first place that Bethlehem is mentioned is a picture of a husband and a wife, right? And the wife gives birth to her son and she calls him Benoni, which means my sorrow or the son of my sorrow. That was her last cry, and somehow this was an eloquent prefiguring of another mother who would go through the pain and sorrow of childbirth right there in Bethlehem. The prophet Jeremiah made the prediction that bitter lamentations were to be heard in Bethlehem. And from this point on, Rachel losing her life while giving birth, Bethlehem seems to become a city of sorrow. My sorrow, she says. It's not only a city of sorrow, but it's a city of death. For we turn now to Matthew chapter 2. And this is the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew 2 and verse 16, it says, to inherit, or uh, let me give you a background first. So the, the three wise men came to Jerusalem. And they said, where is he who is to be born king of the Jews? And so they determined that it was in Bethlehem. And so Herod says to the three wise men, will you go and when you find this child, come and tell me so I can go and worship him too, knowing that in his heart he just wanted to kill the king of Israel that was being born in Bethlehem. But, it, but in a dream, the three wise men were told not to, not to go back to Herod. And just a side note, isn't it interesting? When you come to know Jesus, you don't go back the same way, do you? (laughs) Jesus has a way of transforming our lives, and we now start on this new road that he leads us in the path of righteousness. And so so we see that, we read then that in, in Matthew chapter... 2, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentations. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. So it seems that in this place of sorrow, we have a premonition of a particular person who would come. He would be a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He would come in a sense to collect all the sadness and sorrow of people in his own life. It is he who answers the call of Isaiah, comfort, comfort ye my people. Oh, listen, my friends. There are so many sad people in this world today. If we were to go outside the walls of this chapel into the apartment buildings and homes around our church, we would find sad people. But I venture to say that sitting right here in this chapel this morning, some of you too are sad. For one reason or another, you're struggling in your own heart, and you know maybe there's sin in your life, maybe there's a broken relationship, and you're struggling with sadness. Surely he has borne our grief and he's carried our sorrows. There's a hymn that says, he took my sin and my sorrow. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. My friends, we must not carry our sadness on our own. We must flee to Jesus. Flee to him. Isaiah 53 talking about the Messiah, Jesus. And it says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid, his, his, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our sin was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. All we life's sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Sometimes our sadness is over our own failures. We just don't know how to handle ourselves. I know, I've been there. We can't deal with ourselves. My friends, I say, flee to Jesus. Only he, he came to the city of sadness and sorrow, to Bethlehem, to take upon himself your sadness and your sorrow. And he invites us to come. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, come unto me, all you who labored or heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and come and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble on heart and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my load is light. Jesus says, come. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, my friends, if you're sitting out here today and you know in your heart there's sorrow and sadness, flee to Jesus. He came to the city of sorrow because he knows what you're going through. Hebrews 2.18 says, In that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to identify with those who suffer. Only Jesus can take them upon himself. So we see that Bethlehem is a city of sadness and sorrow and death. But I want you to also see, this is, again, we're seeing the Old Testament, how this flows. You know, we all know Bethlehem is the place where Jesus was born. But here in Genesis, it talks about Rachel dying there in Bethlehem, giving birth to Benjamin. And now I want you to see that Bethlehem is also David's royal city. I invite you, again, if you have your Bible, to turn to 1 Samuel 16. Again, a, a background is that... God had anointed Samuel as a great uh, leader over Israel and, and told him to go and anoint Saul to be king over Israel. And Saul was disobedient to God, so God rejected him. And so we read in 1 Samuel 16:1, it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare for you. And Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So here was this man who was so greatly revered in Israel that when he shows up at Bethlehem, the leaders of the city come out trembling and say, do you come peaceably? He says, yeah, yeah, I've come to sacrifice and invite Jesse to come with his sons. And so Jesse evidently took and had all of his sons pass by Samuel and they didn't find anybody. And so in 1 Samuel 16, 11, it says, Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. You see, Bethlehem was not only a place of sorrow and a place of sadness, but it's a coronation city. It's a royal city. It, it, it's interesting. What a glorious time that must have been, right? And you know, there are airports and streets named after uh, famous, famous people. And, and so here we have a city named after David. It was very natural for Bethlehem be, to become the city of David. But it's also the city of David's royal son, the city of David's son, so in a natural way, it becomes Jesus' city, too. And, and that's the point. Because Micah, 800 years, 800 years before Jesus was born, wrote in, in his fifth chapter, or he said, or Micah 5, 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are little among the clans of Judah, from you, this one specific Bethlehem in the area of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler over Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. And notice we find here that Micah is prophesying 800 years before Christ, the preexistence of Christ being talked about, and also that Christ is to be ruler. Oh, my friends, this is King City. Bethlehem is king city. You know, Joseph and Mary were both descendants of David. And in Luke 2, it says that according to the ruling of Caesar Augustus regarding taxation, they were to go and enroll in the city of David. And since they were direct descendants of of David, they had to go and, and sign up for Roman taxation. And today, Bethlehem is the place where the birth of Jesus is celebrated every year in in the Church of the Nativity. And it's interesting that in Bethlehem, there is also a basilica built by Constantine, the ruins of a basilica. And and the word basilica in Greek means royal residence. Isn't that a happy thought? Right now, if we go to Bethlehem, there's the ruins of a basilica, a royal residence residence. Where Jesus was born. <laughs> it became the royal house, son of David. We have a lovely Christmas carol that says, There's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky, there's a mother's deep prayer, and a baby's low cry. And the star rains its fire where the beautiful sing. For the manger in Bethlehem cradles a the king. There's a king there. Now, my friends, the real facts are that Jesus, though, was born in a very earthly situation. I mean, he was in heaven, and he laid aside his royal robes and came and was born in a manger where there were cows and sheep and, you know, the, the smell of animals, it, it made me think of, of 2 Corinthians 8 9. It says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. We are sitting here today in 2023, and we are rich because of this one who came to Bethlehem. Well, you know, Jesus may have been born in a manger, but he also may have been born in a cave that also took care of animals. Origin, he was the first century church father. So this is right, just after Jesus was born. He's the first century church father wrote in his day that there is still the remembrance of the cave where Jesus was born. And I'm told that, that around Bethlehem, there are many such caves and Jerome is said to have found the cave in which the Church of the Nativity now stands. And Jerome was so devoted to Christ that he went down into that cave and he wrote the translation of the entire Bible in Latin called the Vulgate. It took him 30 years. Isn't that amazing? Well, whether Jesus was burned In a cave or not, it's very interesting that Bethlehem becomes the birthplace of not only the living Word of God, but a wonderful translation of the Word of God. So we see that Bethlehem was a city of sorrow, Bethlehem is a royal city. And lastly, I want you to see that Bethlehem is the city of bread the city of bread. Now, the word Bethlehem, if you break it apart, Beth means house. Lechem means bread. So Bethlehem is the city of bread. And it was in this area that there was a particularly known for good crops. In fact, again, you, you, you understand the Old Testament flowing into the New Testament. You go back to the book of Ruth. And if you know the story of Ruth, she followed her, her mother-in-law, Naomi, and they basically went back to Bethlehem. And, and, and Ruth, or Naomi told Ruth to go and glean fruit and, and, and all from Boaz's field. And Boaz was the great-grandfather of David, right there in Bethlehem. This Bible fits together. You just have to understand how it is. So Bethlehem is the breadbasket of the Holy Land. But it's interesting that after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, the Bible never records again that he ever went back to Bethlehem. He himself became Bethlehem. He himself became Bethlehem the place of bread. He never tried to leave around places of relics or places of worship or reverence. Christianity is about a person. It's about Jesus. He, we mustn't get swallowed up with places or distractions with things. It's about Christ. Christianity is about Jesus. It's just got to be Christ himself. He himself is our bread. So the last place we're going to turn is in John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, we have the wonderful scripture where Jesus talks about himself as being the bread of life. And it's an interesting passage. Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 people And then the Jews came and said to him, all right, show us a miracle. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? What can you do? For instance, they said, God laid down manna on our fathers in the wilderness. And they misquoted Nehemiah 9.15, which reads, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Nehemiah says, no, 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 no. Listen, Nehemiah wasn't talking about manna. He was talking about me. And then Jesus tries to drive this home through the rest of the chapter of John chapter 6. And so I'm going to read a number of passages. In John 6, 33, it says, For the bread of God is he who who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of God. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. And then in verse 41, it says, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness, and They died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that the one may eat of it and not die. And in verse 57, he says, as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. Jesus himself is life-giving bread. He isn't just sustaining bread just to keep us alive. This bread makes us alive when once we were dead. Eat this bread from Bread City, my friend, and you live forever. Now, the ingredients of bread comes out of the soil, the rain, the earth, and the sun. So in a sense, bread is a symbol of the kindness and love of God. You can't just grow bread, right? You can't plant a seed and go out and have a tree and you grow bread. Bread has to be processed. That's why we let somebody else do that, and we just go to the store and buy it, Right? (laughs) Someone wrote, back of the loaf there is the flour, and back of the flour the mill. And back of the mill the sun and the shower and the heavenly Father's will. Listen, if you've tuned out for me, I invite you to just for a moment stay with me. Do you realize the process that Jesus Christ went through for you and for me to become our bread? Like the grain, he went through the grinding process. Like the dough, he went through the fires of trouble and judgment. And just as bread must be broken to eat, Jesus, my friends, was broken at the cross for you and for me. Broken, broken bread. And that process becomes our soul food it took the humiliation of the incarnation it took the growing up in nazareth it took the humbling of his ministry when at once he was very popular and then he was hated by men it took the it took the cross it took the grave broken bread broken bread for you and for me my friends in a few short hours we're going to enter into new year I want to challenge you if you're sitting here this morning and maybe you're still back at the city of sorrow and death and you're struggling you know you know there's areas in your life that you need to deal with you know it You need to go to Jesus. And I'm challenging you today, New Year's Eve, 2023, to drive a stake in the ground and say, God, with all my heart, as I go into 2024, I want to live for you with all of my heart. But you must tell somebody about it. You can't just do it on your own. You need to talk to somebody, whether one of our pastors, whether it be... Uh, one of our elders or a Christian friend that you know and can trust, but you need to go and say, I made a commitment on New Year's Eve of 2023 that I'm going to walk with Jesus and I want to deal with these areas of my life. Will you hold me accountable? Oh, my friends, don't go into this next year of 2024 without dealing with these issues in your life. Go to the cross. If you're here and you've never committed your life to Christ, do it today. Jesus said in John 1:12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. Go to the cross. That's why Jesus came to the city of sadness, came to Bethlehem. He is the royal king, and we worship and serve him. And he's our bread. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord's good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord's good. For he, Jesus, satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Go to Jesus, my friend, today. Do it. Do it. Let's pray. Dear Father, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing in the hearts of these people that are sitting here tonight today, this morning. But Lord, if you've touched their heart in any way, I pray that they would drive a stake into the ground. I pray that New Year's Eve of 2023 would be a a, a life-changing day for them that they could look back years from now and say it was there that I gave my life to Christ it was there that I committed my life to deal with the issues of my life and I just want to walk with you Lord only you can do I just I just praise you thank you for this time I love you Lord I praise you in Jesus name amen